through the mm -hmm. Star Wars Expanded Universe, now Star yeah. Wars Legends, one yeah. book at a time and just seeing where these take us, yeah, mapping it out. So today we are mapping Jabba's Palace. At Some the time more of, tales from Jabba's Palace. <laughs> at the time of Luke's arrival in Return of the Jedi. So these are six more tales from Jabba's Palace. Mm -hmm. If you didn't listen to the first Tales episode, that's totally fine. Yeah, you probably... These are gotcha. really in no particular order. I mean, they sort of all seem concurrent. Yeah, they're all connected, but you don't necessarily need to read them, I think, in any yeah, they order. Yeah, they can all stand alone. Yeah. That said, I, I would hardly recommend that anybody go through and read all of them, because <laughs> this collection of short stories is stunning. <laughs> it is. So... Uh, as we mentioned in the previous episode, I have read these before when I was a kid. You did not. Right. But um, the two that I have mentioned over and over again that stood out the most to me that, like, scared the crap out of me was Bib Fortuna's Tale, which we'll talk about today. It scared and the crap out of me last night. <laughs> it's a very creepy tale. And the Assassin's Tale. Um, but I had completely forgotten about uh, Rees, which was also very <laughs> disturbing. It was in... Uh, 99? Yeah, yeah. And, like, that, I did not... I actually, like, started reading that one and, like, got a couple pages in was, like, went back and started again because I was so lost as to, like, where we were. Yeah, I didn't know where we were in time. In time and space. <laughs> um, but I will say that, you know, I think I... We really loved the first seven tales that we read. Um, so this this episode will be covering Ephant Mom's tale through EV99's tale. Um... But I think these six were all so solid in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. And I think as a collection, these really, like, I have a lot less to complain about with these than... Yeah, I have a few quibbles. And I mean, I thought the first seven were really good. Yeah, they good. were very good. Yeah, But they but... were, I guess, more, like, uneven yes. than, than Yeah, these and these, I was just were. like, I, like, when I stopped reading the EV-99 tale, I was, I was like, I want to keep going, like... Yeah. I genuinely want to keep reading. I know. Um, so, so, should we just start with Ifan Mon? And... Yeah, so we're just going to go and like kind of give a brief overview of the six tales and then dive in with more specific... Yeah, yeah. So we start yeah. with Ifan Mon's tale, and he is like... These are all people that you glimpse briefly in Return of the Jedi. He's a guy with like a really long face. Yeah, he sort of looks like a, like a short elephant... Man. Yeah, but like most of his torso seems to be face. Yes, like, yes. You, yeah, if you saw a picture of him, you would be like, like it's you the face know. guy. And yeah. in fact, someone does that in the story. Yes. <laughs> Regrets it briefly and then is dead. <laughs> That's what happens to a lot of people in these stories. Yeah, yeah, learns too late. So, Ethan Mon's tale is actually pretty light on plot, but it's still yes, interesting. It's, it's kind of like an emotion, like a more emotional one. Although yeah. they're all very emotional, but he's it's a it's the only at least so far that we've read the only first person narration. Yeah, so it's tale. a first person narration tale, um, and it goes from the time when Luke walks into Jabba's palace to right. when 
Jabba uh, boards the sail barge to go try to execute right. the um, prisoners. And Ethel uh, Mon is like a really good friend, like an old friend. Yeah, he's of Jabba Jabba's. the Hutt's best friend. Like his biffle. Like they are. And buds. maybe his only real friend. I can't it's imagine that Jabba has that many friends. Yeah, he describes like Jabba as an old friend, like an old partner. Um, but Ethel Mon has been like, as it seems everyone in Jabba's palace has either been plotting against Jabba or plotting to get out of Jabba's palace um and he uh is trying to figure out a way to sort of undercut Jabba and he goes to Mos Eisley right he goes to Lady Valerian right um, who is a character that's come up a bunch and she's sort of a a wannabe rival criminal of Jabba's, although it does seem like Jabba gen- generally has the upper hand on her. And yeah. she had offered Ifan Mon a job, and he came to decline in person. Yeah. And he said, like, no, I I understand, but I can't betray Jabba. Right. He's you my know, buddy. He's my friend. Yeah. Ifan Mon is, like, sort of the only guy in Jabba's palace who is choosing to be there because he cares about Jabba. He's not yeah. enslaved. He's not a prisoner. Nothing's forcing him to stay. Right. Um, but somehow, I'm really, we're going to have to talk about the force in these stories because yeah. it's working in some very interesting ways. It but really is. Luke somehow, with the force, when they make eye contact, kind of touches Ifamon's mind in a way that makes him start feeling really homesick for where he came from. Yeah. Yeah, Luke sort of and I don't, it was hard, and I guess we would talk about this more when we go into detail, but I couldn't really tell if it was, like, that was Ifan Mon, like, like, Luke touching into something Ifan Mon really wanted, like, yeah, and I guess maybe his species is, like, particularly susceptible to the Force, but, yeah, Luke sort of, through the Force, helps him sort of, or puts this idea in his head that, like, he just wants to go, he wants to get out, and he wants to go home. Yeah. Um, and Ifan Mon actually like misses the action completely when he's away. Yeah, he doesn't. To he doesn't see the rancor pit. He doesn't see anything. When he gets back, they've already hauled everyone off to the, yeah. the jail cells. And, and Ifan Mon goes and talks to Luke. Yeah. And Luke says, "You know, I'm gonna be fine. Right. Um, like, don't worry about me. Like, no, we we're fine. You need to go convince Jabba." Um, to just let us go, because otherwise he's right, gonna Jabba's get, gonna die. Yeah, like, he's gonna get killed. Um, and, you know, I can tell that you are on some level a good person. Like, right. you should look out for him. And Ifaman goes to Jabba and says, let the Jedi go. Let them all go. Right. And Jabba says no. no. And if, and essentially says, you know, if anybody else talked to me the way that you're talking to me right, right. now, I would, I, would, I would kill them. But yeah. because you're my biffle, I'm not going to kill you. Right. And Ifaman and he, sort of knows that when he goes and approaches him. He's like, this is, like, a really ridiculous. risky move. But, yeah. like. I love Jabba. I'm going to try to save, yeah. save him. And Ifan Mon says, you know, if that's your attitude, then fine. Like, I don't owe you anything anyway. I'm going to leave. And Jabba, yeah. sa- Jabba gets his feelings hurt. Yeah, he says, like, like, if you were only here because you felt like you owed me something, then I want you to leave. And yeah. then that's, like, the end. Yeah, it's and then everyone's like, I'm going to go home. And he goes home. Yeah, and so Ifan Mon <laughs> goes home. It's yeah. really sad. Yeah, it's very poignant. Yeah, and it's the only story so far where you get, like, any sort of Humanity's not the right word, but, like, <laughs> humanity from But, from like, Java. emotional interiority. Yes, I would say, yeah. And, and there's an understanding of, like, vulnerable. maybe why someone would be at Jabba's palace. Yeah, he's, but I feel like Ifamon's the only one who's, well, I guess at 99. Yeah. Both are there but, because they want to yeah. be. But that's a, a rare case. Yeah. 
So then yeah. the second story is Goat Grass, The Tale of Rees. Yeah, by Deborah Wheeler. Um, Which is quite a story. <laughs> it is bananas. And he he really wants to go home. He, he has this sort of... Um, he's done something. He has a criminal record. And right. he's basically employed by or doing a favor in exchange for a clearing of his name with the empire um to kill job everyone's out to yeah i think the official count in the bib fortuna or in the band story is like that there are 16 active plots active plots and i'm sure there are more than (laughs) yeah so he's looking for the parts for the various like I guess it's a bomb? That it's a bomb, there? yeah. He's been, like, given parts to a bomb, and they're, like, hidden. Yeah, they're being shipped in different boxes. Yeah, so he goes to, like, around... He runs into Gartog, who is the uh, Gamorian guard that we... Yeah, he intersects with yeah. uh, Porcellus's tale, with the right. discovery of the kitchen boy's body. Um, and he finds himself in this sort of chamber of brains, which we will talk about <laughs> even more. And something happens, and he sort of gets, like, knocked out, and he doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah, he, he seems to sort of have these visions through his third eye. I mean, he literally has a has third, a third eye. eye. Yeah, so this character, if, if, if um, you don't know who he is, which, like, why would <laughs> he's, um He sort of looks like, he has three, like, eyes on stalks. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of he, orange, right? He's like yeah, yeah. Guy. Yeah, like a tall, like, alien creature. And he, um, yeah, he keeps sort of having these, like visions where he sort of like loses time but he's also an alcoholic he drinks like right he's totally plastered right and every and that was mentioned in other tales previously that like reads yeah ethan mod brought up right and i think Um, part of why he drinks so much is to try to keep from having these visions yeah that so occur he ends up on the barge um and he like can't find the bomb Right, um, he, he lost the detonator. He lost something. the detonator, he doesn't know where it is, so he's drinking, he's, like, taking drinks from R2, R2. basically. Who's um, apparently a great bartender. He makes amazing drinks, <laughs> <laughs> they all sounded wonderful. Um, and honestly, in my head, I was like, yeah, holds up. That yeah, makes yeah, sense to yeah, me. R2 would be a great bartender. Um, and then all of a sudden, he starts to feel terrible. <laughs> so... He, Leia starts to strangle Jabba. Yes, and he's watching this happen. And he's watching, and he's sort of uh, torn, because he's thinking, on the one hand, right, this is great. I do nothing, great, right. this nobody kills Jabba, I get all the credit, my name is clear, right. no problem. On the other hand, if Jabba survives, and I didn't help him, then right. I'm going to be in serious trouble, what do I do? And then it turns out that Jabba has a voice-activated short-range bomb implanted in Reese. So, yep. <laughs> it's his, like, dying gargling. He's trying to right. summon kill. Reese and use the bomb within him to kill Leia. Yeah, Leia, yeah. And Reese start, is sort of being, like, marched, in, his body is marching against right. his will over right. there, but then Jabba dies before the bomb can go off, and right. Reese is, like, Great, home free, I get right. everything I want, it's all going to work out. And then he explodes, explodes. in yeah. the sail barge. And it's pretty gross. Yeah, with visions of the goat oh, grass and yeah, the women of his home of his world. world. There's like he's a, been very homesick throughout yeah, the whole story. There's a theme of like homesickness and like a longing for home that I think we need to sort of Yeah, we definitely need down. to parse that a little bit. Details. So next, is next uh, the band played on? Is that 
Right. Yeah, and the band played on The Band's Tale by John Gregory Bentecourt. Bentecourt. Yes. Um, and so this is about the band, um, Max Rebo's band, although they do not come up with that name initially. Right. So later on. They're a, a band that's been booked for the Mos Eisley Cantina. Yes. And they have a like a manager. <laughs> right. But then the Biths, who are the band from the Mos Eisley Cantina, that do 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 apparently do are not open to being replaced and borrow a bus to pretend mm-hmm. they're there to pick up the band and then try to murder the band. Murder them. Right, like, basically they try to turn the bus over and, like, murder them on the road. We're gonna, they were gonna dump them in the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, apparently Biths are, like, not great. <laughs> Biths, uh, that's how they have that gig. They know one song, it goes do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, and then but, they kill everyone else. But they, anytime a new band comes to town, the Biths kill them. So, yeah. so the, band, the, the band manager, manager dies. Dies. And we have Max Rebo, who's the blue guy who plays, like, the organ. The little elephant guy. Um, yeah, little elephant guy. And then Cy S- Snoodles, who's this the lead singer. With the um, long mouth. Yeah, and she's got, like, really big lips. And yeah. then Droopy McCool, although he, <laughs> that is not his original name. His original name is Snit. Um, they call him Snit, but then yeah. he wants to be, he's, a, tons of slavery in these stories. Yeah. He is sort of enslaved to the band manager, and the band manager calls him Snit, but he's yeah. like, my name's not Snit. It's Snit, like this yeah. beautiful series of whistles and tones. Right, that he can't pronounce, yeah. And uh, Psy says, well, we can't say that, but how about if I call you Droopy McCool? And yeah, and he's, he's like, like yeah. that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on with that. The coolest name. Um, and so Lady Valerian shows up. Like, oh, they, they go to Moss Eisley Towers, which is apparently like the hotel. Yeah, <laughs> like, a, like a seedy hotel. <laughs> yeah, where Lady Valerian is sort of holed up. And she says, well, like, I could always use more spies in Jabba's palace. Like, is that what happens? No. I don't think so. Is Not initially. Just... It's a little out of order, I think. Okay. I think. I don't know. She's like, oh, I feel like she tried to recruit them. Maybe. Yeah, no, she, well, so I, they definitely end up paid by Lady Valerian in some way. I just don't remember if it was before they go there or after. Or after. They oh, it might there. be after. Yeah. But anyway... They say, we need a job, and somebody at, like, the bar says, I could get you a job playing at Jabba's Palace. Right. Let's go audition. Like, right, audition and for him. And decides to make um, Max, the the blue elephant guy, kind of like the front man of the band. Yeah. yeah, she's basically, like, in charge, but she says, like, you're the better front person for this. And so, and he is just a, a huggable dum-dum. Yeah, he's who, just really hungry all the time. All he wants, all to, he do wants to do is eat. He was being paid in food. Like, he, yeah. all he wants to do is eat. Um, but he's super sweet, and, and Droopy McCool's, like, along for the ride. Although, Droopy McCool keeps talking about how he wants, he, like, hears his people, like... Right, in the desert. Someone tells desert. him. Someone yeah. says, like, oh, I saw other, you know, of your species, yeah, species in the desert. Yeah, And, like, nobody believes him, because apparently, like, they don't actually live, like, as far as anyone knows, that they live out there. Um, but they all are like, okay, well, like, and they're very, like, a group. Like, they are taking care of each other. And so they audition at Jabba's Palace, and Jabba says, hey, great, I will offer you a contract. I, you, the contract is forever, and I will Mm -hmm. pay you in all the food you can eat. And right. Max Rebo immediately says, yes, yes that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds the great. food here is delicious. Yeah, and I can have great all cook. of it. <laughs> I am in. Yeah. And Sias Noodles is just pleased. Yeah, not um, super happy about it. But they tell her, like, no, don't try to renegotiate this. 
he will just kill you. Keep singing. Yeah. Um, but she perks up when she gets, like, 16 different bribe offers to spy yeah. for right. the various plots right. that are going on. And then Bib Fortuna also starts paying her off to be yeah. like, I know that all these other people are um, paying you off, so right. I'll pay you. You just tell me what, what everyone they, else is doing. What yeah. everyone else is doing. And so Sai is stockpiling all this money. Yeah, so she's doing pretty well. Um, and they, uh, and this, I guess this is a little bit before everything goes down in Return of the Jedi. Um, and then when the events of Jedi start happening, Jabba basically, like, tells them, like, I have this great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's gonna come and try to, like, get Han out of Carbonite. We're all gonna sleep in the main room together. Yeah, And when, like... (laughs) Like, they don't really understand what's happening, but basically he's like, you have to, like, sleep with us. Yeah, you have to, like, stay out here and hide behind me. And when I give the signal, I'll start playing We're going to play. Um, And they're like, okay, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Um, And so they do that. And um, for some reason, Max Rebo knows who Leia is. He, he, like, has a – he calls her Princess Leia. Like, he knows – Yeah, he somehow – He recognizes her. um, And he actually ends up giving her, like, food – yeah, he thinks she's, like, really skinny looking. Yeah, and he's and worried about he sh- her. Which is super sweet because he, like, loves food so much and, like, the fact that he shares, like, a pie with her. He's like, yeah, oh, I have it right. It says, Max still had a few small blackberry pies tucked away behind his organ. He picked one out and carried it to Jabba's dais. There he sat it next to Princess Leia, who looked at him with an unhappy expression. In case you get hungry, he said softly. Thanks, she whispered. He smiled a little, nodded politely, and headed for his room. He's really cute. He has a good, good heart. Super sweetie. Um, and everyone in Jabba's palace who likes Leia gives her food. Yeah, yeah. They're all the all our main characters are pretty well fed because Han's getting fed. Like, yeah, Han's getting fed. Leia's getting fed. There's something about uh, Leia. People just want to give her gifts. Yeah, yeah. They just want to bestow gifts upon her. Um, I get it. So yeah, so they. Um, but they're out on the sail barge. Right, on the sail barge. Um, but Sai sort of smells which way the wind is blowing. She yeah. gets them out in time. Droopy McCool goes to join his people in the desert. And right, Sai like, takes Max with him to go um, be a new band for yeah. Lady Yeah, right, Lady. yeah, a new duet they're going to yeah. start up. So, um, so they fine. have a pretty pretty happy ending Yeah, for them. Less happy ending of the, day, of the day's annoyances, Bib Fortuna's tale this, this was troubling. Was it not? <laughs> I, like I, as I started reading it, I was like, "Oh, this isn't so bad." And then I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I can't is. believe you read this as a joke. I was genuinely terrified. I would um, have been. I would have been like, <laughs> I think I would have had to sleep in, like in the room with one of my parents. Yeah, like, it was. It was traumatizing. So. We learned this is definitely, the, like, door open, hall light on. Yes. No, the yeah, book outside in the hallway. Like, we are not, <laughs> we're not hiding everything. Um, Bed full of stuffed animals, so there's no room for anything yes, else. Yes. <laughs> music on. Like, my yeah. old, old 90s stereo. Turn the music on. <laughs> that was it. Um, uh, so, so, we learn that Bib Fortuna is actually plotting... Against Jabba. Against, as everyone else says, he's not the, loyal to Jabba at the all. The official pastime, and... Uh, yeah, and he's working with the... Which we're going to have to deep dive into Bomar monks. But yes. he's he's basically, like, thinks he has this sort of pact with the Bomar monks because the Bomar monks, as we've talked about last week, were the original inhabitants of Jabba's palace, and they built Jabba's palace. And we don't really know what their... Deal. 
their religion, their faith is about, but like, like they inhabit the same space basically. And John right. is just they like, they created the space, and some part of their religious practice is that when they achieve enlightenment, yes. they have their brain removed from their body so they can mm-hmm. be purely like spiritual, intellectual right. beings. They don't, their brain, they don't die when their brain right. doesn't die removed from right. the body. It's just freed of physical right. concerns. You don't have and to get hungry or tired or anything. see these brain, and they call them brainwalkers in the story. You see them, I think it's when uh, R2 and 3PO first walk into Jabba's palace. Yeah, there, there's at least one. Yeah, um, and so that's what they're basically referencing here is that it's just right. like, like a brain in a jar on like spider's legs. Like a, on a spider yeah. robot. Because um, when the brains want to move around, they do use spider robots. But otherwise, right. they're just in, like, a big room full of brains. Right. like a chamber, yeah. Thinking. And, and so, I mean, the brains can talk to you and all right. that kind of stuff. But they're just yeah. a brain with no body. The body is... The body dies when they remove the brain. Yeah. So, boy. <laughs> that, is that not nightmare enough? It is terrifying. <laughs> and that's just the beginning of the story. That's just setting the scene. <laughs> so... Bit Fortuna is plotting against Jabba, plotting yes. to take over. He plans that when he takes over that he will betray the Bo- the Bomar monks, that he's going to right. um, expel them from the palace when he right. takes over. But in the meantime, he feels like they're, they're on together. his side. They're yeah. working together. Um, and we get a lot of sort of flashback and stuff in the story that'll yeah. probably be worth talking about later. But there's a, a another Twi'lek who Bib Fortuna has basically raised as his own. Yeah, he, like, adopted. Although he does not feel paternally towards no, him. No, but, yeah, he's sort of taken him in. But there's a horribly scarred Twi'lek named yeah. Nat. Nat, yeah. Who Bib Fortuna wants to use as his sort of way back in on uh, Ryloth. Right. So Bib Fortuna is an outcast on Ryloth, so he wants to use Nat as his representative. Right, ultimately. to get back in, yeah. And so Jabba decides that he wants to feed Nat to the Rancor. Mm-hmm. And Bib Fortuna is like, well, I can't have that. I need Nat. Right. And so he has the Bomar monks remove Nat's brain over Nat's strenuous objections. Yes, he's not okay. <laughs> not at all this. okay with this. Um, and they leave the brainstem in, so the body is still sort of, like, moving around without the yeah, brain in it. Yeah, it just doesn't have the brain in it. Which yeah. is so, horrifying. And it's horrifying because, like, I guess what happens with the Bomar monks is that when you reach enlightenment, like, you're at peace with this, and it's your decision, and, like... Yeah, you want them to take right. the brain out. Now, it doesn't. And so, like, the Bomar monks basically tell before Tuna, like, this brain is screaming, like... Yeah, the brain is the, the brain is screaming, and if he yeah, doesn't like nonstop. Yeah, he wasn't enlightened. This no. brain is just screaming in agony and horror. Right, nonstop, and like missing its body, and has no idea what's going on. It's really and if he doesn't uh, like calm down, he's going to go insane and die. Right, or he's just going to go completely insane. Right, like the brain irredeemably can't insane. itself. Yeah, if it's like this. Um. So. Uh, Bib Fortuna is like, okay, okay, like, we'll find a new body for you. Like, just chill out, stay patient. We'll give you a spider walker to move around in. Right. Like, it's be okay. And that kind of calms down. And he, he wants... still has moments, but, like... Yeah, and he wants yeah. Han Solo's body. Um, yeah. And Bib Fortuna's Which he like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, fine, we'll get to that. And then he actually is the one who blows up the sail barge. Yes. That he... 
plants the thermal detonator that Leia had brought in. He right. plants it on the sail barge, and when everything goes the way it does, he triggers the, the detonation. Right, the explosion. And he goes back to Jabba's palace. And right, he's like, I did it. I did it. I win. I get to take over. Yeah. I'm going to change all the locks. I'm going to, you know, get this under control. He goes and changes all the locks. I'm going to get, like, freaked out just it's describing really it. Scary. He's in the, like, throne room. He's in the throne There's room. There's nobody else in there. It's totally empty. He is, you know, doing all Sitting the security on, stuff, right. tapping away on the keyboard. And then the power goes dead. Dead. It's and so terrifying. It's, like, completely quiet. The power's dead. The lights are out. And all the doors lock. Locked, and he tries yeah. every door and none of them will open. And right. he tries to open the pit, the Rancor pit to go down in there to get right. off that way. And the Rancor no. pit won't open. Well, no, no. Nothing. And then he um, gets a sort of uh, alert or whatever on yeah. the data pad thing that says, like, congratulations on your progress in your spiritual journey, right. uh, Brother Fortuna. Prepare yourself, Prepare yourself for, for enlightenment. enlightenment. And... So and he just like he knows he's helpless he's got a blaster but there's hundreds and hundreds of monks Both they have moments. all the weapons right and he briefly considers killing himself but he doesn't and he just yeah. sits there in resignation and the last thing that is him hearing the squeaky wheel of the surgeon's cart, cart coming yeah. in towards him to take his brain that is a horror that is horror like that is a that perfect was the last short thing story I read before bed <laughs> no, and I had to like I had to get up. I had to turn on lights. Yeah. I had to <laughs> so read funny crazy. stories on my cell phone. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't. Did you read that? Did you reread these as a kid? Because I don't, I don't know how know. you could go back to that. Uh, I Just knowing that, that was in a book would have upset yeah, me. Yeah. I will say that, and I don't know as an adult that that's necessarily the case, but to me, The Assassin's Tale was the more scary of the two. This one was scary, but it was more like. Disturb, like it was unnerving. Yes, I and, and I, you know it wasn't necessarily that I thought like that could happen. No, <laughs> to me, which there were things I was scared of that I thought, but like just the a complete like cr- like that creepy unnerving feeling, like skin crawling. Yes, horror. Yes, um, you it know was it, it real it freaky. Really, really freaky. <laughs> <laughs> and we can talk more about it. Yeah, we're going to have to talk more about it. Yeah. Um, so but the next one was the, a very different tale. <laughs> a very different kind of tale, which thank God, we needed a break. Yes, and I'm sure they did that on purpose. And yeah. it's the great god Quay, the tale of Barada and the Weakways. I feel like they should have just called this the Weakways tale. Yes, Barada really didn't have all that. Barada <laughs> is beside the point. Yeah. So Barada <laughs> is like the head mechanic. Of yes, of Jabba's the sail shipyard. Barge. So he's yeah. doing maintenance on stuff. And there's some Weequay guards in addition yeah. to uh, and they the Gamorian guards. Are the like you see them on the sail barge, they're like they have like ponytails and like staffs, I believe. Um you do see them like they're not as prominent as some of the yeah, other but characters. They're, which... Yeah, they have like sort of uh it's a little bit like armor, but like kind of like leather. They're working yeah. on the barge. They're yeah. not the most memorable. They guys. they battle like Lando and Han when like Han can't see like that. Those yeah. guys, yeah. Um, so they and, find a dead body together, right? Which, which seems to happen all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they find the body of the the sail barge captain, right? Yes. Yes. So they find that guy's body, and 
the weak ways. <laughs> Who cares? Barada's just doing his thing, whatever. No, I yeah, I would not. Barada's but not important. The weak ways, the two weak ways, uh, yeah. have a meeting to try to yes. figure out who is this. the only people trying to solve murders in yeah. Jabba's palace are the sentients who are just like too stupid to care for themselves. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Gartog and the Weequays. Weequays. Yeah, so and the they have... have a meeting mm-hmm. where they agree to figure this out and they do it by constructing, consulting with their great god, right. Quay. Which, which is, is basically... A magic eight ball. It's a hundred percent a magic eight <laughs> so ball. So it's 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 a it's a white orb. Yeah, it's plastic. They say it's plastic. They do say it. it's plastic, and they ask it questions, and it, it doesn't like you don't have to shake it. It just like talks, but right. it says very simple, like yes answers to yes or no questions. Yeah, it just basically. it only answers yes or no questions, and yeah. it's exactly a magic eight. But they even say like this was just invented by someone smart enough to t- to take advantage of right of these poor weak ways. Yeah. <laughs> So the weak ways, their whole story is them sort of asking the magic, a magic eight, ball. eight ball a bunch of questions. Um, yeah, it just says stuff like, my sources say no, or right. strong possibility of yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like, it has more answers than a magic eight ball, but they're all very magic eight ball yeah. style answers. And so they actually end up finding the thermal detonator on the sail yes. barge, uh-huh. and they try to disarm it, but they right. not in yeah. time. And yeah. that's that's yeah, their they story. Yeah. And they they uh, bribe Barada with some beignets. So. Yeah. So they're, they're very sweet and yeah, I was just, really rude again for them. taken advantage of and not the yeah. brightest, but uh, but we end on quite a high or a low. Depending we ended in an extreme for sure. Yeah, and that's a, which I didn't. I knew that EV ninety nine story was like a little bit disturbing. I wouldn't say it's quite as disturbing as Dick Fortuna's tale, but boy, oh boy. <laughs> I don't know. This actually might have freaked me out in some ways more oh, really? than Dick Fortuna's tale. It's a lot of just, like, existential troubles going on. Yes. And our ongoing discussion of droids um, and It's going to get more complicated with this. This is a lot of layers of droid stuff yeah. in here. So this so. is called a, a Bad Feeling, the tale of EV-99. And we start a on very Cla- different way. Yeah, on Cloud City. In Lando's day on Cloud City. Yeah, so before, even before Vader. Yeah, before Empire. just Before any, which is why I was like, where are we? What are we doing? (laughs) Um, We're on Cloud City and Lando is having a problem Mm -hmm. with... uh, Like his his chief of security has betrayed him, Mm -hmm. setting off these bombs, Cloud City, like the floating, it almost falls. Right, yeah. Rocketing around. And it turns out... Uh, I mean, they don't exactly come out and say what's going on in that moment, but you later find out that it was actually EV-99, mm-hmm. who right. was the uh, chief of security droid at Cloud City, right. and was sort of messing around, reassembling other droids. Yes. Um, and um, EV-99 is the droid that we see, like, doing droid torture in yes. Jabba's <laughs> Palace, yeah. which is now completely explained. Right, in the um, story. Yeah, so so we get, we get that sort of, like, back flashback history, and then we sort of re-meet with EV-99, and she has um, made a place for herself in Jabba's, Jabba's Palace. Palace. Um, she has a job. Yeah, I maybe she like, think, I think she's just sort of the main the, like, droid droid wrangler, yeah. Um, but her passion, her love 
what keeps her going is pain. Droid pain, specifically. She loves to inflict pain on other droids, and she describes it as, like, as if she actually does get, yeah, like, a high. Like, she... Right. And she is interested in... She says she's fascinated in exploring the threshold between operational status and the ultimate deactivation. Yeah. And so, like, so life and death. Basically. Yeah. And so yeah. she like really sees herself as like a higher being than most droids. She has this yeah. additional optical sensor uh, that allows her to pick up more data yeah. and Yeah, but she like is like you know, I, she sees herself as someone who is like experiencing feelings like Right. Like a sentient being. Right. Um, these feelings are just pleasure from giving Right. Yeah, pain. she's a hardcore sadist. Yes. Um, um, and I mean, and like the tortures that she's inflicting on these various, she has like a secret droid torture cave. Yes. Like in Jabba's palace. Like, yeah, she has a place where she just is. I mean, it's like, um, I haven't even watched the show, but it's like Kathy Bates in that season of American horror story where she's playing. Oh um, yeah. La Laurie. Mm-hmm. It's like yes. the Lalori house in New yeah, Orleans, yes, yes. Um, but like yeah. the legendary mm-hmm. version of that, right, but right. with droids. <laughs> right, with droids. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she uh, realizes she like the fact when C three PO and R two are come in, there are these assignments that are exactly right for them, right? Available, and it kind of she gets sort of suspicious, and she finds out that there's this one guard who sabotaged the two previous droids right. in those positions. And then she realizes that that guard is Lando. Lando and she's yeah. like, oh my God, Lando has found me. Like right. these She are, thinks, yeah. It's that, all her. That Lando has come here to seek revenge and to destroy her. her for what she did in Cloud yes. City. She thinks that 3PO and R2 are working with Lando to get at her. Yeah. It's um, really interesting. Like, I guess we'll get into this. But, like, it's interesting. She's a droid who has a... A very, like, is a very self-centered... Yeah. Which is, you know... I, I I think we see that in the newer films more, but in Legends and in the originals, like, she's droids are not... She's a very interesting character. Yeah. And yeah, so she's so... trying to, like, shut down and empty out her <laughs> droid right. torture dungeon. <laughs> and then um, somebody bursts in, and she initially thinks it's Lando, but it turns out that it's a droid who is seeking revenge for what she did to the other droids from his unit on Cloud City, that she had tortured and mutilated them, and that he's there to get revenge on her. And so he sort of, like, leaves her on the floor and um, lets all of the droids she's been torturing out of their cages, and they're, like, crawling to her, like, at the end of Freaks. Yes, (laughs) Freaks! (laughs) Film nerds. <laughs> Reference to freaks. It was controversial. Yeah. But no. yeah. um, so we'll make you one of us. So yeah, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna tear her apart. Yeah, tear her apart basically. But and he also uh, like removes some of her like pain sensors and higher thinking sensors, so she can't experience it because she also is getting some sort of uh, pleasure from experiencing and understanding her own pain. Her own pain, yeah, and like her, like her own like self. Conscious, like conscious awareness of yeah. like, feeling, and um, so, so yeah, is torn apart and forgotten. Right. right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those are our six tales. 
fair, really. I was I was like tired after reading. Yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it was emotionally and intellectually complex and taxing. Yes, yes. <laughs> More so than I think we've maybe ever gotten. Yeah, it was I mean, all over the map. So I don't I feel like maybe it, we could start with a broad brush and say like, what do you make yeah. of this theme of like home and longing yeah. that goes throughout these stories? I was trying to think about that and I mean, Jabba's Palace is such an interesting, like, location, right? Like, yeah. all these stories are, are tied together by this location. And it is no one's home. Right. right? No one likes it there. Either. No one likes it there. No, no one is originally from there, right? Yeah. No, um, I don't think I've... I don't think there have been any characters with tales who were, like, born on Tatooine. Tatooine, yeah. They're all from other places... Um, they're all sort of forced there by either circumstance or slavery or, you know, like... Even Ethan Mott feels like obligation. Right. Like, and, and it doesn't even... It's not a home. Like, it's not even Jabba's home, right? It's right. It's sort of his, like, pleasure palace. Like, it is not yeah. a home. And so I think this idea that, like, you... And this idea, too, of, like, you cannot spend an extended time in Jabba's palace. Like, nobody can. No. Like, physically or mentally... Like, there's a limit to the amount of death and gross and, like, horrible things that are happening. And so even the worst of the worst, even the, like, most awful human, not human beings, awful sentience who end up in Jabba's palace, right? And we know that Tatooine is a magnet for these murderers. Um, And, like, even they cannot stomach this right. place, right? And so it's, like, it's a place in which, like, you realize, like, oh, God, <laughs> I just want to go home. Yeah, right? I mean, it's a place where, I mean, everyone in this space shares a sense of displacement. Yes. But it is, but it doesn't unite them at all. Right. And, like, like there's pockets of it. And right. you see these sort of, like, like with Porcellus and um, Malakili, right, that, like, there are these, like, little friendships that sort of blossom but in the end like everyone's really on their own right, right. and nobody has family like, nobody's trapped there as a family like the closest thing we get to family is the band, the band. um and, and they're there for a week it seems well that's like. the other thing too that i was thinking about i guess maybe last night or the night before trying to like figure out the themes of this of these stories is this idea that like there's a time limit and it's and I think it's really interesting the way these stories set that up, right? We know there's a time limit as the audience, right? Because we yeah, know what happens. We know in what Jedi. it means when they get to the sail barge, right? But like for these characters, for Jabba, for everybody, like we're just waiting for that shoe to drop, right? Yeah. And and there's this like, it's like the thermal detonator, right? You're just like waiting for it to go off, and like none of these people, like Jabba's palace doesn't exist. Minutes yeah. when we meet some of these characters, right? <laughs> that like we're watching it all just come tumbling. Yeah, down. but I think that, and, but I also like these characters, even though they don't know that the sail barge is going right. to be the moment when it happens, are all living with this sustained sense of dread. And it's yeah. just like, even if you are someone who can stomach the death and the gross and the right. smells and the heat, just the sort of unrelenting sense of dread that like yeah. permeates everything like the screaming and yeah 
that was another thing I sort of thought of too is like how Cronenbergian more film nerd like this <laughs> yeah these stories are that like like home maybe related to this idea of like body too especially in these six stories that well, like, and in, like Bib Fortuna's yes, story like, and in Reese right that like your body is not your right that like right. you're being like existing in Jabba's palace is so like terrible right that you are just it maybe i mean i guess this isn't that insightful given the way in which it's literally done in Bib fortuna's story but maybe there's a sense in which sort of the extreme conditions and the extreme sort of degradations and unhappiness of jabba's palace forces a sort of like mind body split right your body is just like weighted and down with it but then yeah. and but to and to cope your mind has to go somewhere else and we think about Jabba who's just like all body right yeah. he's just like yeah the sense of like so home as home as like a location that's away from Jabba's palace but home is also like control of yourself of your own space of your own body right like um that like that can't happen in Jabba like you're a slave or you're being literally torn apart your you know your body is not you like the band right, right? they're not yeah, they're everybody. Right, is, everyone's owned. But, everyone is subject to the whims of the space, right? To the right. And, heat and to right. the sort of the ways of Jabba and all that kind right. of stuff. And Jabba just like getting a thrill out of like throwing anybody down the rancor pit, right? And watching like a body be torn apart, right? This like right, yeah. The only characters who are really sort of psychologically coping are the ones like Gartog and the weak ways who right. just lack the kind of intelligence to make right. heads or tails of their situation. Right, that they don't know that they should be really yeah. worried about what's happening. And Yvonne Mon, who, like, you know, I guess in some ways sees Jabba as, like, home, right? Like, that's his Yeah, brand. but I also think Yvonne Mon is a really interesting, like, his storytelling is a really interesting uh, intersection with this idea because Yvonne Mon's story is a noir, which was yes. stunning to me in yes. yeah, reading it. And, I mean, so obviously we have the horror genre represented here. We've got some sort of typical Star Wars stories. We've got some comedy. But a noir short story, I was not expecting. It actually took me a little while to recognize it. I thought at first that it was a Western. And, I mean, there there are some similarities. Yeah, right. Yeah, the genres overlap a little bit. And I guess you just don't... but yeah, but he gets to the when he gets when he got to Lady Valerian's casino yes, and he was describing, it, it, I was like, oh, this is right. a noir, yeah, like, a noir, yeah. And, I and think the first even, person narration, the first person like, narration. Yeah. I think he even calls Lady Valerian a gutsy dame. Yeah, um, yeah, which was just fantastic. Yeah, it was definitely out of like, yeah, like a it Lady Bacall, like like a Philip yeah. Marlowe. Yeah, a, definitely. So I guess yeah. if you're not that into genre, the noirs are the uh, sort yeah. of. <laughs> Post-World War II movies uh, that tend to feature, not exclusively, sort of a uh, detective or an otherwise fig- uh, investigatory figure who's trying to make sense of a sort of, like, tangled and dark world. Yeah, right. And, and Jabba's Palace is a great location for a noir, and noirs noir, often yeah. take place in, like, physically sunny locations. They take yeah, place so, like, in, Los Angeles. Like, yeah, LA is a great the... noir city. Yeah. So, um, I think it's a fantastic yeah, and it made to put... Yeah, it, there it really does make sense and is it's really great to see them playing with yeah but i also but i feel like the i feel like the noir really works with sort of the lost home the lost innocence it's so good (laughs) and i mean for i guess maybe we could talk a little bit about the 
just down Ifan Ma, just see him through yeah. the like emotional backstory between yeah. him and Jabba because it was really something. Yeah, they were like really good friends. Yeah, so they were involved in some sort of, I guess, spice deal together. Yeah. They got double crossed, Mm -hmm. and everybody else who was on their team, you know, ran, and they stuck it out. They were they fought back to back into the night. They, you know, got stood down. Everyone Jabba's younger days. In Jabba's younger days, when he could move around, yeah, he he was talking about like he was such a sight to see in battle and everything. Yeah, which given what we saw in the Han Solo trilogy, not surprised. Yeah. Um, and then it got like super cold that night, and Jabba like wrapped his tail yeah, around like Ifan Mon to like keep him warm, and they yeah. you know <laughs> clung to each other <laughs> through the night, and both survived. And Ifan Mon st- stayed by Jabba. Yeah. Through everything. ever since, through everything, until yeah. the Jedi came in and looked into his eyes, and suddenly he needed to go home. He needed to go home. Yeah. Yeah, and that I you know this idea that like. I feel like, well, maybe that's more Western than noir, but that, like, understanding that the end is sort of, like, coming, like, before it even comes, right? That, like, like uh, in Deadwood, right, when... Right. Wild Bill Hickok? Oh, I think so. Bob when he the... does that speech, when he says, like, just, when he's telling Charlie, like, yeah, just let, let me go to hell just the let way me I want go to. Hell my way. Like, I know yeah, I'm not like, going to be okay. Right. He, I know this is going to be the end. Yeah. That, like... In the Wild Bunch, when they're, like... Yes. You know. It's like a very and this seemed and even though Yvonne on lives like he sees the writing on the wall even before like there's signs that there are writing. Yeah, on the wall, but I mean like, that could I guess be a little bit Maltese Falcon. Yes, like, yes, I think that yeah that's an overlap between the noir and the western right that like I you know I gotta get out. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Like I yeah, it's done and and there's nothing more I can do here. Yeah, it's sort of got like a little bit of its Chinatown Jake feel to it. Yes, yeah. Like This yeah, is the film nerdiest episode of our <laughs> podcast ever. And I'm loving it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like our show notes are just going to be like pages and pages of film references. Um, <laughs> so sorry if you're not a film if you're not a film studies person, just yeah. just go watch these movies. Trust. Oh yeah, watch them. Yeah, they are um, good. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. Okay. So what else do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about the scary ones? I guess we could talk about EV ninety nine. I don't. Yeah. There's so many layers. It's really complicated. Her story. Um, I was confused. I figured I was it confused. out eventually. But I, I did too. Confused. Yeah. I had to go back and reread. But it is, and I think. The most direct, and I mean, we sort of got it in Solo, right? A Star Wars story, and you sort of get it a little bit in Rogue One with the droid. Um, who I always forget his name K2SO. K- K2SO. Um, but like, this is in terms of our rereading of the expanded universe, like, this is the most explicit exploration of like droid, droid consciousness, yeah, self awareness. That we have ever gotten. And once um, again, Lando is always paired with droids in he interesting ways. Has a very interesting relationship with droids, like just throughout the expanded universe. Yeah, like, and they've very... continued it into the new canon with yes. Solo. Right, that he's it's just, just Lando and droids. <laughs> right, he seems to get a, like gen- generally, not obviously not with EV ninety nine, but generally get along with them. Yeah, and well, and he has more respect for yes. droid interiority. Than right, most than humans most, do because yeah. he recognizes at a time when I think very few would 
that this one droid who ends up tracking Amy 99 down has a like personal investment in vengeance. Yeah. When the droid says like we should blast her out of the sky, Lando has a moment where he thinks like, "Oh, that's weird. That's not like normal for that droid." And then he droid, remembers yeah. what she did to those other droids and he's like, "You know what?" And he even says to the droid like, "Look, right. I know how you feel, but this is not the time for vengeance and blah blah." Like right. he takes it seriously. Yeah, he really does. And I you know, I'm trying to, like, because we, we often, I guess, see 3PO, I always think of it more as, like, self-preservation. Right. Like, 3PO, I don't think of as a selfish character, just, like, very concerned with, like, Yeah, he does not want to be deactivated. <laughs> right. He doesn't want his parts to freeze. Right. But as a protocol droid, and R2, too, right, he's very, like, he serves, right? He's a service Right, and he's motivated, droid. too. Like, he wants to be yes. useful. And he wants people to want him around, right? And, right. again, that's probably part of the sort of self-preservation. But, like, with EV-99, like, it's the first time in these books that we've seen a droid who's just completely self-absorbed. Yeah. <laughs> like, she sees Lando, and, like, I can't imagine 3 or R2 thinking, like, the same way, where she's like, oh, he's come to kill me. Like, yeah, this is this about is my me. It reminds me of what we talked about in the last Jabba's Palace episode, what you mentioned about, um, like, these characters being the, like, heroes of their own Right, they they all think that they're the the protagonist. (laughs) Right, and, like, in this one, it was, like, the clearest. She's, like, she sees him, and she's, like, oh, this is about me. He's finally found me. How did he do it? Yeah, how did he find me? Um, And it was sort of great to see, like, a droid just kind of, like, yeah, she never had a concern really for anyone else throughout. No, the whole or thing. what was going on at all. In yeah, Jazz. like she, she was in her she, basement torture room, just like minding. Her basement torture room was I so know. troubling. It was really and it's really messed up. Yeah. Also, like the fact that like Jabba's palace is so bananas that like nobody noticed that there was or or if they did room. didn't care like <laughs> for droids. Somebody wandered in there drunk and was just like, oh, oh, oh all right, not yeah, walking room. backwards out of here. <laughs> shuffle some other way from here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the little things, it, I guess it just shows how much, as a Star Wars person, you do connect with, accept as characters, anthropomorphize whatever the droids. Yeah. Because the way they like, right. talked about, like, she has all these droids in these various horrible positions. She's deactivated all of their, like, vocal capabilities. Yeah. And they just, like, rattle and right. wheeze oh, and stuff. It's just, really horrible. I mean, it was awful to picture. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, like, basically what you see her doing in Jedi, except, like... Yeah, and it's almost like an experiment for her. Like, she's, like, trying to understand, like... Yeah, like she's like and the Nazi doctor of droids. Yeah, it's very, very disturbing. And Super so the Boromar monks. Yeah, I like. I want a whole backstory, <laughs> which I know we don't get. Like, I don't think that. Oh, it's out there. I, I want it. I want oh, it's the out there. Story. <laughs> Apparently, Bib Fortuna shows up again in something else down he the does? road. After this, Ooh. Um, there's I don't know if it's comics or novels or whatever. Oh, maybe but he uh, apparently this I read I read up I read up on this um, yeah which is a little <laughs> bit outside the bounds of what we try yeah. to do on the podcast but <laughs> I couldn't take yeah. it. The Bowmore monks were very apparently the Bowmore monks from this point get really into snatching brains in a way that oh, like, like brain snatching they get business. really into brain snatching. <laughs> 
Um, they move from the more sort of like, yeah, join the monastery when you feel like it kind of model to a more like evangelical model of brain mm-hmm. surrendering. Yeah. And they snatch yeah. a lot of brains, apparently. Um, but, hmm. but like, they're using the force, right? Like, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're de- Like, I couldn't really figure it out. Because it says, they sense. talk about, like, uh, Bib Fortuna talks about how, like, the Boamar monks trained him to use his intuition, and he could sort of yes. sense plots and sense danger through that intuition, and he realizes at the end that, like, the Bomar monks must have been better at it than him, that they could sense, like, what he was planning against them, yeah. and all that stuff, which, like, sounds like the Force. Yeah, and I guess, to me, I mean, I, I can, like, just talk about the Force in general in, in Jabba's palace, yeah. these tales, but it's really interesting, because, like, it, it didn't even occur to me until you just said, said that, <laughs> and, like... That's, I think, credit to these stories, because, like, for the Bomar monks, like, maybe they don't think of it as the Force. Like, yeah, I don't think that they do, but I yeah. think that it is the same thing as the yes, Force. Yes, I think, yeah, yeah, it is, but, but, like, the Force doesn't really exist right. in these stories. Like, it exists because it is a thing, but, right, like, yeah, but, but in terms of, like, the Jedi or Sith understanding But, yeah, nobody's force, thinking... Like, and even the Bomar monks, even if they're using the Force, they're not thinking of right. it as the Force. They're the not force. thinking yeah. light side, dark side. No, they're, they're just like, you know, this is our path to... Yeah, they think of it as sort of a path to enlightenment that yeah. through, I guess, meditation and reflection that you gain this sort of transcendent right. wonder with the... Uh, transcendent oneness with the universe, right. which yeah. is the Force, but... Right. You don't have to think of it that way. No, yeah. And I guess Evon Mon, maybe, my interpretation of that, like, his sort of connection with Luke, is that maybe he was just, like, very sensitive. Maybe. Like, was Luke just, like, looking at everybody and just being like, <laughs> go home, go home, Because it also seemed like, uh, it also seemed like Ree's visions were, like, yes. force visions. Yeah, was Luke just, like, sending out. His species out got through the third eye. Force vibes, and it's just like, everybody, get out. Get out. I feel like my interpretation was that Luke was sort of, um, like, scanning to see, and I don't even know if you can do this with the Force, but... It seems like you could do anything with the Force. That he was sort of using the Force to uh, see, like, what kind, like, sort of take the read of you. Like, are what yeah. kind of a person are you? Right. And can I, I think, use you to my advantage to sort of help me in this situation? Yeah, or even like, yeah, can I, could I push you in one direction or another? Or, yeah. you know, are you a potential ally? Are you enslaved? He did help out that one girl yeah. that was I also love. wonder if it was like a, him sort of like, not even necessarily pushing one way or the other, but just saying like, listen, like, this is how powerful I am. Like, because it convinces Ifaman that like, oh, this guy's serious. Like, yeah. You know. and that could be, but the way that I interpreted it was that in the moment that Luke, that they locked eyes, that right. the question in Luke's mind, this is a really, like, I'm adding a lot, but when mm-hmm. they locked eyes, I feel like the question in Luke's mind was, like, who are you? Yeah. And that the the truest answer from Ifa, from within Ifan Mon was yeah. his home. And that yeah. that, like, rocked his world because he'd been telling right. himself for years that who he was was this, you know, like, person allied with Jabba that he'd been defining himself in dynamics to this place for so long. But then, like, when he was, when it was actually, like, called to from within him, 
that was all like that was all just like right. window dressings and who yeah, he really yeah. was was yeah. this place from where he was and once that right. was like awakened within him he couldn't right he's like i can't he couldn't yeah. turn back away from it right yeah. which is like a very like lovely i guess yeah. kind of yeah. idea of what the force could be and right one of the few sort of happy kind of yes tales tales for, and, it, yeah. and it's bittersweet yeah, because, yeah, he's leaving. Ethan Munn also, like, headbutts a couple of guys to death. Oh, yeah. Like, bar. He means business. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, some some drunk farm boys yeah. are like, you yeah. got a big, ugly face. Want to fight? And then Ethan's he's like, look at my big, ugly face. Wham. <laughs> <laughs> this is what my big, ugly face can do. <laughs> and there was also, like, an Imperial guy around. Yeah. Yeah. He shows up in a couple... He's also plot involved in plots yes. against Java. He was the one I think that hired Reeves or was like, yeah, I think bribing. And there was also some Reeves. maybe connection between him and Tessic, who we don't really need yes. to bother with because Tessic has a tail in the next. Yes, we're gonna get to him. Section yeah. of tales. I really like the names of the band songs. One of oh, them was yeah. "Ode to a Radioactive Ruin." <laughs> I just thought I was like, that's great. <laughs> yeah, the band stuff was the band story. It was maybe. Not as like tight as some of yes. the other stories, but yeah, it was that's... fun. Like it, it was, was really fun. It was really and, fun. Yeah, they were all such like great. Like we're rooting for all of them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I loved uh, Max Rebo. Obviously, is just, yeah, it's just like a big sweetie, just a honey angel. Yeah, I got like almost teary eyed when he gave Leia. Oh, when he gave Leia the black eyes. I was very. Very touched. (laughs) Well, because you know, like, how much food means to him. Yeah, that he would even think to share. Yeah, it's just very lovely. Yeah, lovely guy. Really sweet guy. And I'm glad Sai is there to, like, take care of him. Yeah, take care of them. Yeah. Sai also needs to take to adopt some Weakways and Gartok. Gartoks, yeah, anyone. Just (laughs) come along. They could be like roadies. Yeah, exactly. I guess maybe that's an that's an interesting thing in um. Jabba's palace is that it's all of these most of the people there are terrible um yes. obviously not all of them but be, but it's like most of the people there are terrible but none of them have so far have been worse than the place that they're in in yeah so like even true, yeah. though if you took these characters and put them in any other like star wars story yeah. setting they would be just like grotesque and horrible villains because right. they're in Jabba's palace, right. you they're get like this. <laughs> they get you get this like lovable vulnerability. You get to yeah. they they look soft by being surrounded yeah, by right. just yeah. like such. Yeah, and that's all we get, right? Because we don't get stories of like lovely people. <laughs> no, because what would they be doing yeah. there? I guess maybe the only one is like Ula. It's like yeah. the only like and she and, and the band is sort of like not yeah, but everyone else has like plots and no, like Ula the band is still plotting. Maybe yeah. two hours. Max yeah, Rebo is lovely, but he's got yeah. Sai taking care of him, and she right. is... Right, she's plotting. Plotting yeah. and self-preserving. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't get anybody who's, like, innocent, really. No. It's in also, I felt like the portrayal of Luke in these stories was really interesting. Yeah. Especially he, compared to how we get Luke in other things we've yes. been reading. Because it's, like, impressions of Luke, right? Like, it's just, like, their brief encounters... And, like, most of them either think he's, like, bananas. They're, right. like, this guy, like, come on. Like, this is ridiculous. What are this, you thinking? Yeah. Be dead in ten minutes. In. <laughs> yeah. Or they, like, have these moments with him where they're, like, oh, my God. Like. Right. 
the horseman of the apocalypse, right? <laughs> He's coming in and it's like all going to end because this guy yeah, but he, has shown up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he seems a lot cooler. Yeah. This <laughs> Luke has, this Luke compared has to really Jedi search. His... Like, <laughs> if this guy wanted to open a Jedi Academy, like, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I would be like, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, where's your plan? Like, and he would have it. He'd have a portfolio and be like, this is how much it's going to cost, and yeah. these are how many students I need. And yeah, exactly. Like, this... here are the architect plans. Yeah. And... The building. Exactly. I need this many teachers, and, you know, yeah. this is the this is the goal. These are the benchmarks you have to meet to progress through the different levels of training. Yeah, like, I have, a, I have partners who have come in on this, and they're <laughs> going to support me, because I can't do it by myself. Yeah, he's, like, a very reasonable, yeah. reasonable guy. Yeah, but, I mean... Luke, um, maybe Luke just, like, burned himself out here. He just yeah. put so much effort in Jabba's palace. He's like, I'm tired for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm done trying. Yeah. But, yeah, he's, um, he's got this sort of, like, otherworldly air yeah. about him. Like, yeah, like, stranger, like, mysterious stranger kind of. Which is, again, a westerny kind of thing. Yes. Jabba's Palace is a very, it's like a western kind of setting, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's the Wild West. It's like, yeah. a, you know, this location out in the middle of nowhere where you just, like, attract the worst. Yeah, and it's in the desert. Yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah, he sort of comes in and, you know, he can't bring order to this place because nobody can, and no. so it just gets destroyed. Yeah, he's yeah. got a real, like, Shane or the man with no yeah. name or... Yeah, and it comes in and it rides out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, like, you would never think of Luke as, like... No! Like, in any other context. No! <laughs> That's not who Luke But, is. I mean, I guess Luke does kind of have that in Return of the Jedi. Kind of, but it doesn't last. In the last beginning, no. Very long. <laughs> no, it doesn't last. I feel like after he gets dropped in the Rancor pit, it's Oh, over. yeah, then it's just, like, yeah. Yeah, he sort of comes in with, you know, the robes and the, like, smirky smirk and... yeah. Just sort of you will. Apart. But yeah, this Luke is. I like this Luke. This is an interesting Luke, but this Luke would be a, almost impossible to write from a first person, like to write a narrative from his perspective. Yeah, right. like how do you crack into the interiority of someone who is this? Um, right, it would be. I mean, I don't want it because I think it's fine the way that it is. But it would be interesting to maybe get like a perspective, like his perspective on. What was he thinking <laughs> in that situation? Or like Lando's maybe? I mean, I would like to. I would deep, love a Lando deep dive tale, into and Lando. I get why we don't get one. But I yeah. really want to know what's been going on. In yeah, Lando's. this is the first time. Even ninety nine's tale was the first time he got mentioned. Yeah, I mean, time. she was the only one who really noticed him. Yeah, I guess which is yeah. what. He and I wonder wanted. if he'll show up. Yeah, in the other ones, but yeah, we've you know people have talked about Han, Leia, and Luke, but. I feel, Lando. I feel pretty bad for that protocol droid that Lando sabotaged. Now yeah. that I now that I know all about droid sentience and interiority. <laughs> oh, there's a lot. A lot going. I mean So droids are just like completely sentience. I mean there's doesn't it, it's getting Yeah, harder or they're and programmed harder. to feel it's, like because I could see that being like a, a useful like, if you don't want your joy to get damaged or, like, like a useful, yeah, uh, like, guess... programming for them to, like, react to. Right. But, like, I, but, but EV-99 sort of brings that right to, like, a level. And that's, like, her, what she's trying to do, right? Right. So, like, And yeah. then she's got the pain sensors on them. And... Yeah. Right, right. That she but, I mean, I mean, like, in um, Jedi Search, which we talked about last week, 
When Lando yeah. takes 3PO and R2 with him to the gambling place, he has an argument with the guy selling tickets about whether or not they need tickets. Like, right. are they sentient right. beings who are going to enjoy this so they have to buy tickets, or are they right. just, like, machine assistants who are, right. you know, like... Is... Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's very... Again, it's all over the map in Star Wars. Like... I need more. I, I don't know yeah. if I need more explanation because I just feel like the more information that I get right, about droids, the yeah. more complicated and confused. I mean, it would be really interesting if, like, we just sort of thought of droids as just like the way in which they're pictured in the original trilogy, like, like three PO R two. That's what we got, and then you got a story like this. Yeah, that would be interesting. But the fact that like. It's sort of been like, cause in was that in courtship where Leia was talking about like the droid, the droid lobbyists, lobby. yeah, yeah, that like, like it's been sort of like hinted at, but never brought to like a full, yeah, I mean, of like an idea. It's very much I feel like L three from Solo, but part of yes. what made L three like splash on the big screen so much right. was that she was so different, right, right. and was like questioning. This, I mean, she's asking the same questions that we're asking, asking about droids. Because right? even in um, Rogue One, like, K2SO was very, like, sassy. But he was also right. super loyal to his guy. Yes, right. He was not, right, like... He yeah, wasn't... Like going off the rails. Yeah, he know? wasn't, like, complaining about having to be a droid. Right. Or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. These are thinkers, and they stay with you in a way that, like... Like, Jedi search, I'm already like... <laughs> what even <laughs> what happened? happened but, but no, I think there are very much... There are much more, like, character meditations than they yes. are plot-driven. Yes. Right. Like, these authors all seem... And, like, I know anything about their process. But these authors all seem to have, like, sincerely asked themselves... Like, yeah, like, what is this? What, what yeah. would what would the experience of being this character in this space right. be? Yeah. Yeah, and they do such a good job of, like breaking it down and giving pause to this space that, you know, I mean, I don't know, it's like 20 minutes, 30 minutes in Jedi that we spend Yeah, at Jabba's Palace. And, I'm gonna, um, but I mean, and I guess that's a, that's a good mark. That's a mark of a good expanded universe story. Like yes. I'm going to watch Jabba's Palace very differently. Yes. The yes. next time I and watch Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It made me want to like watch it, like to go back and like yeah. see all the characters and like where they are. And I wonder, I mean, I'm sure they did like, again, like thinking about the process, like, do you go back and like take the few little clips that you see of these characters? And is that like maybe the start of inspiration? Maybe. Cause like, I, I wouldn't look at Ifamon and think like, oh, that's Jabba's best friend. Yeah. His best friend. <laughs> like, <laughs> just wouldn't necessarily be where my mind would no, go. No, but I mean, it's also the fact that like we only see EV-99 in that one scene in the yeah. movie. So like what yeah. happened after that? I was like, oh, now she died like yeah. as droids do like 10 minutes yeah. later. It is sort of interesting too that like I do want to go back and like rewatch it and sort of find these characters and like where they are. But it's also like what's great about these stories for me is that it just like layers on top of Jedi, right? That like you can watch Jedi and like, you know, not know these stories and it's, you know, fine. And then you get these stories and it's just like, like digging deeper into that space, right? That it doesn't like change anything on screen and it doesn't necessarily like, like, cause these stories are not about our main characters, right? No, just, not like, at all. Not, yeah. The story, right? like a lot of the time it seems like expanded universe stories are trying to yes. exist in the gaps in between right. things. 
Right. So we have things that happen like in between movies or in between right. scenes in movies or things like that. And the stories are trying to fill the gaps. But these stories are trying to just, like, I don't want to overuse the word expand, but trying yeah. to go out like in a, different directions, right? Yeah, almost like an accordion, I feel like. This yeah. Is, this is sort of like flatness and then it just like pops it open and it's not like anything's different. Like it's nothing's changed, right? This all just happens. Yeah, or like a pop-up book. Yeah, right, that it's just like, oh, you're seeing it in 3D when you were seeing it in 2D. Yeah, right? like, like when, you, when you're just getting it from these characters, you're getting such a thin slice of it. Yeah. And rather than just giving you, like, more thin slices. Um, right, that this right, is, it actually just like, like... you can turn it and... It's like the scene in My Cousin Vinny when he talks about the prosecution's case being built from, like, playing cards. Right, 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 yeah. It just, right, it just looks like a flat card, right, yeah. yeah. Everyone go watch movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have a list of movies we can't go watch. Um... Yeah, it, 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 these stories just really, like, make me excited to read more of them. And Yeah. No, these were, these were great. And I have a lot of, like, trepidation and excitement for the Assassin's Tales. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm maybe overblowing it, which, like, might be the case. But I, like. Given I what went, I have read so far, like, I doubt it. <laughs> I went back and, like, skimmed it. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I think, <laughs> I think I was right about <laughs> The Assassin's Tale. Um, it's a different kind of horror, yeah. I would say. I will be um, very interested. In but that. I don't really remember any of the others, so um, I should have looked this up before, but let's see. Uh, I know there's a Boba Fett tale, which I don't remember. Huh. I think I think that might be where we get the sort of expanded universe idea that like he didn't die. <laughs> oh, that he like, climbs back out of the starlight. Yeah, right? I'm wondering if that comes from this tale. Um, but... Yeah, we're, we'll be reading the last six tales um, from Tessic's tale down to the epilogue, basically. So we're finishing out. Mm-hmm. And that will be two weeks. Yeah, because next week we are going back to, back to the <laughs> Jedi Academy trilogy, Academy trilogy with Dark Apprentice. Yeah, I have no memory of this <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> so. I definitely remember, but Dark Apprentice and Champions of the Force blend together a lot okay. for me um so in dark apprentice we have leia and han holding a blaster and leia's like got her hand on his shoulder she's probably chastising him about something <laughs> and then luke is looking real grim yeah and there's like a, a ziggurat in the back which i guess is maybe the yavin yeah right the temple of yavin and a face of a dark figure Sort of in shadow in the back. Who I guess is Exarchune. Exarchune, yeah. That's just who I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I so. don't, or maybe it's not. But I, I don't know. Is it Gantoris, if, maybe. See, I don't remember if we like. Find it looks that. like a ghost. I bet it's Exarchune. I think it is Exarchune. I think that does happen. Okay. <laughs> I'm just reading like the back of the oh, book. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. While the New Republic struggles to decide what to do with the deadly Sun Crusher, a new doomsday weapon stolen from the Empire by Han Solo, the renegade Imperial Admiral Dalla uses her fleet of Star Destroyers to conduct guerrilla warfare on peaceful planets, and now she threatens the watery homeworld of Admiral Akbar. But as the battle for a planet rages, an even greater danger arises at Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy. A brilliant student delves dangerously into the dark side of the Force and unleashes the spirit of an ancient master of the evil order that warped Darth Vader himself. Working together, they may become an enemy greater than any the New Republic has ever fought, more powerful than even a Jedi Master can face. 
But yeah. so that'll be next week. Yay! <laughs> Yay! All right. Well, thanks for thanks for tuning thanks in. For listening. Right, bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you would like more information, please check out our website, adolescenceafteralderon.wordpress.com, for show notes and info about upcoming episodes. We're also on Twitter, after underscore Alderon. We're on Instagram, adolescenceafteralderon. And if you would like to touch base with us, ask questions, participate in the conversation, you can email us at adolescenceafteralderon at gmail.com. Thanks so much.